Welcome to Flyover Film Country. I'm Isaac Sims. I'm Olivia Clement. And this is a podcast about movies about places all forgotten by Hollywood. Today we're talking about Prisoners, the 2013 Denis Villeneuve film about um, light stuff, really fun. Super light, easy. Easy to talk about, easy to watch. You should Um, watch it with your children. Watch it with your children, your... Your parents and relatives. Um, we're talking about prisoners. Prisoners rules. Uh, yeah. Speaking for both of us, you you liked it quite a bit, didn't you, Olivia? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Was this your first time watching it? No, it was my second time watching it. Okay. But I hadn't seen it in probably about nine years at this point. Yeah. So. I remember I- when it came out, I actually watched this with Jack uh evans and gordon jensen and tyler ramsey in ferris wow it was i think it was like a couple months after it released i think tyler was like i heard this movie is pretty amazing and then we watched it we were like wolf (laughs) yeah yeah i i watched this at actually at my house with uh i it was a summer after our freshman year of college and i was with Two of my friends from high school, I'd come home for a weekend from working at camp and I was hanging out with two of my friends from high school and one of them had their friend from college with with them. And so they came over to my house. We had rented it because there were still like video stores at that time that you could rent stuff from. Isn't that crazy? That was freshman year of college for us. Yeah. And so, so we had rented it from, it wasn't even like a big, it was like a local one in Fort Smith. And so my parents were out of town because they had gone on vacation. And so it was just me at the house. And so we watched that movie and they were like, all right, good luck, Olivia. I was like, thanks, guys. I feel good about being left alone after this. So because it's not it's not scary, but it's it's a lot. It is is haunting. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's not scary in like a, a horror genre movie sense it's scary because like yeah because it's haunting so not emotional yeah it was emotionally devastating mm-hmm. um yeah so so before we talk about prisoners um i want to talk to you about other things that we've been doing other thing we things we've seen one thing in particular uh, but first off what are you like we're looking at the rest of the year Um, yeah what are some big things like big movies that you're looking forward to seeing that haven't been pushed dune 2 got pushed unfortunately um but some other good things are still coming out so honestly um i feel like because um i've just kind of been all over the place i don't even know what else is coming out Mm -hmm. oh killers of the flower moon that's what i that is one thing that i am just super pumped for yep. and i can't wait to see it um and talk about really, it on the show yes we'll be talking about that in it looks like the first week in november so i'm really really excited about that yep and then oh bike riders i forgot that that was coming out this year too i'm you looking at the, the trailer, agenda right? i did see the trailer did you see looks the trailer pretty, yeah looks pretty awesome looks I'm pretty excited. cool so yeah, yeah and those are those are tried and true fa- flyover. So, uh, yep. really excited about that. 
What about you? What are you looking Um, forward to? Well, for those of you who don't know and are listening to this, The Bike Riders is the sixth film from Jeff Nichols, a uh, director who is from Little Rock. Like, Mm -hmm. the only one in in big Hollywood, H, big H Hollywood, uh, who is making movies. And it's super cool that he's, Mm -hmm. he's just a guy from my hometown, basically, and flyover country and we've done we've covered every single one of his movies um with eric back Mm -hmm. uh, a couple years ago and his movies are awesome they're they have such a unique flavor and such a human element that i think Mm -hmm. is missing from a lot of movies and he makes movies about the south and about like just these really like obscure places that don't get a lot of coverage like Mm -hmm. (laughs) gas stations and uh <laughs> like Stuttgart, Arkansas yeah. and, and Lone Oak, Arkansas and um England, Arkansas, like you know, towns with like a thousand people, five thousand people. So it's he's he's a great he's like the first he, he's the only director that we've done uh like his entire filmography. So we're gonna be doing the bike riders and it's exciting. Yeah. That's coming really out December first. And then Killers of the Flower Moon, Martin Scorsese's new movie, set in Oklahoma. We've kind of filmed in talk- Oklahoma. Filmed in Oklahoma. We've kind of been talking it up for almost two years. I feel like we've been talking about it for a long time. Have you read the book? No, and I'm I am gonna see the movie first and then read the book. It's it's a long book. I I was thinking about reading it, but I was like, I don't. I'm not gonna be able to finish it before yeah before it comes out. So that's how I felt about American Prometheus because I actually listened to about a third of it uh, mm-hmm. on a like an audible i think so listen to it not read it nice but it was really interesting and i just couldn't get to finish it Mm -hmm. and i felt that way about killers of the flower moon and i didn't want anything to be kind of like spoiled not like like i just i just wanted to go into it like holy shit like this stuff happened you know sort of thing yeah um and then go and like read it afterwards so Mm -hmm. super excited for both of those yeah i've gone to the movies i've gone to the movies like actually several times over the past like week or so and the movies and every time i've gone they've played the trailer for it killers of the flower moon i'm just like yes let's go this is gonna be so good yeah so very excited what yeah how's your amc plus journey you know it's been great i didn't go for a little bit it was not bad actually like it yeah so that was that was a movie i saw because i was like well i've got a free movie ticket i might as well go see see it so it's not something i would have gone on my way to watch but yeah yeah, i mean i think it's it's like mid-tier which we've talked about this like Uh there's not that many like mid-tier movies anymore it's either superhero ip movies or like almost oscar bait movies and there's not it feels like there's not movies movies. yeah like a movie (laughs) like like a movie like a movie like a movie and so yeah so it just was like a movie and i i really like david harbour um i thought he was really good in it and so so yeah, I, I I enjoyed it. It was not incredible, but it was it was fun. So uh-huh. what uh tell me this. How was uh Blue Beetle? 
it was fine. Yeah. Like, yeah. that's really it. It was fine. Cool. Um, <laughs> I felt like it was longer than it needed to be. I heard the first half is like really, really good and like mm-hmm. flavorful. And then the second half or maybe like second two thirds are like mm-hmm. pretty bad. Yeah, and like, same, like same stuff that DC falls into pretty consistently, r- right? And I think also it Blue Beetle especially kind of it fell into a really unfortunate spot in the DC universe because I think it's like the last one to come, like it's the last one that was pre James Gunn. Yeah, and so you know, I just wonder how different would that movie have been if you know james gunn was at the head of dc at the time you know of its like at the time of its inception and everything and also it sucks because this is the first dc character that is um is mexican specifically but is hispanic and that none of the actors or the director anyone involved with this film really got the chance to talk about it at all yep. because of the writer's strike and the actor's strike and what yep. should be the most exciting thing in their careers is not something they actually get to talk about on a broad scale. So, yeah, so it's it just prohibited. Yeah. So just kind of, I it just, the timing of its release, I think sucks for the people involved in the project. So, yeah, but it was fine. I mean, there were some, interesting like action sequences and um george lopez is amazing i mean he's he's george lopez yeah, so he, he's, he's really good he's really in funny it. in it and yeah. um there's a scene where he's in his truck he's very protective of his truck and he's singing selena which like <laughs> selena for those of you who don't know and i'm not talking about selena gomez love her but i'm talking about selena, selena. and selena uh, and it just it was really funny to me because my mom loves selena and she like that singer means a lot to a lot of uh mexican specifically mexican american so it was just really it was great to see him doing that but yeah anyway what a real or without thinking much what is the best dc movie like dc extended universe or yeah. any DC movie. D- any, okay. Any DC. Probably Birds of Pl- Prey or Wonder Woman. I saw, I was watching some Birds of Prey um, on a flight when we were yeah. coming back from uh, vacation this year. And I was amazed watching it. Just like, I said to myself, this is a movie. Like, this yeah. This looks like a movie. Like, yeah. not CGI. Yeah. <laughs> Birds of Prey, it was actually the last movie I watched before the pandemic hit. Same. Like, I in theater. Or maybe The and, Hunt. I don't remember. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. My brother actually watched that recently. It's an interesting um, movie. Yeah. But, yeah, Birds of Prey, I think, is just, it's super fun. It doesn't take itself too seriously. There, I mean, again, not a perfect movie, but it's it's a movie. And I I just really loved it. So You, you want to know what my top... Like here's my list. Number one, I think the best. I think the best DC movie is The Suicide Squad, the James Gunn. Oh sure, yeah, yeah, um, that's a good one. 
I have we talked about Zack Snyder's Justice League? I there's no way we haven't at this point, but I don't think it's it's been a long time. Here's the thing: I love Zack Snyder's Justice League the way I love. Um, Like, what is a comp for it? I really don't want to spend too much time on this because I want to get to Prisoners. But, like, I watched Zack Snyder's Justice League and I was just so confused why Warner Brothers saw that cut or what was close to being that cut and thought Mm -hmm. this is a bad idea. Because it's so dumb, but it is so complete. And, Mm -hmm. like, especially in the final fight scene with Flash because they spend more time with mm-hmm. Barry, like, going into the Speed Force and all that stuff. It looks pretty good. And, like, it's a complete story and a complete vision. And I was mm-hmm. like, this is fu- this is fine. This is, like, actually good. And, mm-hmm. like, they should have just let him do it in the first place. And I was like, I don't know. So I have that at two. I think, I don't know. I, I Again, DC is trying to compete with Marvel, which I get that. I understand that from a business perspective. You're trying to make money and all that, all that jazz. I think that too often they have. Marvel is falling into this right now, as we have talked about, of just like the amount of content they have put out without it being quality. And so I think with with Justice League, it was okay. This doesn't feel like an Avengers movie, and we want it to keep kind of mirror that, so yeah. to speak. And so, because Zack Snyder is Zack Snyder and dark and weird for better or for worse. Like sometimes that works, sometimes it doesn't. Right. And so, but he is, he is true to his vision as a director. And I respect that. Like, um, cause there are some times where I'm like, I really like the Zack Snyder movie. And then other times where I'm like, this is terrible, but, but he is, he is true to who, to his vision. And I, I really respect that. Um, so, so. I don't know. I also don't understand why certain movies are made and other movies aren't, you know? So it's so long and it's so, it's so silly and so dumb that I'm like, this is it. It's like, it it is fully, fully his vision. Yeah. And, uh, and it, it, I mean, it looks bad, but like the, the one, the scenes that count look really good in Mm -hmm. my opinion. Uh, speed force and Superman and, um, I have Aquaman at three. I love Aquaman. You know this about me. I'm excited mm-hmm. for the new one that's going to come out uh, where he teams up with Orm, the Ocean mm-hmm. Master, yet again. <laughs> I am Orm. I am the Ocean Master. <laughs> the Ocean Master. And Wonder Woman's at four and Birds of Prey is number five. So I was curious what my top ten was. Yeah. Um, so I'm more interested in DC right now as like a uh, like specimen rather than like Oh yeah, this is my comprehensive list of like the sure. best movies sure. or whatever. So yeah, um, yeah, we gotta talk bottoms before we get into prisoners. Okay, because y'all prisoners is gonna be heavy stuff, so we gotta talk about something light before. Wait, hold on. While we're still talking about DC, or before we mm-hmm. talk about bottoms, I just want you to know that last night I got to see The Dark Knight in yeah. theaters because one of the AMC's around here was showing. I didn't know this. Yeah, until... they were doing. They were doing that at. Um, they did the whole. Yeah. Oh, well. okay, yeah. cool. They did the whole Dark Knight trilogy, and I wish I would have just made a day of it. It would have been a very long day, but it would have been a great day. But I, uh-huh. we went to go see The Dark Knight, which I didn't need to go see at the theater when it came out originally. It was so good. Yep. 
it was it was so fun i still All, remember seeing the dark knight like in eighth grade and just being yeah. like that is i oh man oh man. Yeah. yeah 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 no i walked out of that theater and i was like this is this is so good Christopher yeah. Nolan knows what he's doing, man. He does. Anyway, I needed to talk about that for a second, just like how how great it was. I, like afterwards, I just kind of sat there. The credits started rolling, and I just sat there, just taking it in. And my friends were like, "Are we? Are we going?" Well, my friend Scott goes, "Are we staying for the end credit scene or what?" And I was like, "I just need to sit in this and appreciate it, like because this is it's this is such so a good. wonderful ending too. Oh like, yeah, with him driving into the to the light." Mm-hmm. and the music swelling and like just how uh yeah like we're about to talk about a movie that's very morally complex and how mm-hmm. the whole point of the dark knight is that people are morally complex mm-hmm. and it's like what are you gonna do to preserve a legacy and preserve a i don't know structure yeah. of power and i don't know it's really really yeah. really good but bottoms 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 Okay, so did, we haven't actually talked about it. We haven't. This is it on mic. Um, did you see my letterbox review? No, I didn't actually. Hold on. Let me yeah. let me let me go pull it up real quick. I'll let you I read don't... it um, on mic if you want. But basically, this is the movie that I think everybody who was freaking out about Barbie thought Barbie was because <laughs> I was I was this movie is hilarious and uh-huh. jarring and like you could tell from the bloopers that they ad-libbed a ton of scenes oh, yeah. and it's just so off the cuff and hilarious like every single scene is like there's at least a chuckle in there if not an outright laugh and i was just like floored and mm-hmm. flabbergasted and like just dying laughing at how they were just like ripping men to shreds oh especially yeah. high school boys because they're the worst yeah, yeah. Oh it was I, I i'm not gonna read your letterbox but <clears throat> i agree with you like that it's this bottoms is a movie that i think the the far right should be afraid of not barbie yeah bottoms it was so freaking funny and it had it kind of had the quality of like a 2000s comedy movie about it. Does that make sense? In terms of like the the content itself? Not the necessarily content, just like the rhythm of the movie, like the pacing of the movie, the sure. the like it's a high school movie and just I don't know what it was about the like set design and the costumes, but it felt like a movie like a 2008 movie comedy teen movie then yeah. that's real niche real specific but I, I, that's kind of how i felt about it but it was oh my gosh it was so funny i was in this movie theater by myself <laughs> cracking up oh my gosh i w- yeah i was in there too i texted olivia and i said i'm in here except for one other person and it was like a middle-aged man i was like what are you saying this by yourself but then I was like, I guess I'm seeing this by myself. <laughs> two, just two guys. Can a guy not see bottoms on a Tuesday night by I himself? Think, I think a, I think a guy can see bottoms on a Tuesday night by himself. There you go. Um, I think it's funny that you compared the pacing to like an early 2000s movie because I was like 
the pacing was jarring for me. Oh, because really? I feel like I like well in a good way. And what I mean by okay. that, maybe jarring isn't the right way. It's like disorienting because it moves in such a way that's like so intentional. And I loved mm-hmm. I really loved the editing because it just moves. This movie's mm-hmm. an hour and a half. It's so fast and fun and good. But I had like the thought, which I very rarely have in a movie, where I'm like, I'm fifteen minutes in and I want to watch this movie again already because mm-hmm. I'm like not catching every single joke. I like, oh, yeah. wish I could rewind and like, yeah. wait, wait, I need to catch that. Yeah. Maybe that's what I mean by it. Because, yeah, because there's definitely things that I did not catch that first watch. And I I can't wait for the rewatch to to get the joke, to see yep. it, to hear it for the first time. Yeah. Or like really understood how that joke was supposed to land. Ayo Edibiri and Rachel Sennett are just, they have dynamite chemistry uh marshawn lynch oh my is the sponsor of their girl fight club and <laughs> had me crying laughing honestly at multiple points if those three were in a movie were in just movies together for the rest of their careers amazing have Would you be seen shiva hilarious. baby no i haven't i need yeah. i haven't sat down to watch it yet but um, I think you'll think it's really, really funny because okay. I. So here's the thing: I didn't even watch the trailer for Bottoms. Oh, I just, okay. I, I saw like it's uh, um, for I, Zeligman or Rachel Zeligman, I think is mm-hmm. the name of the uh, director, and I was like, it's her. She's getting back with Rachel Sennett, and it's Ao Edebiri. I was like, I'm in. I'm. I don't yeah. even need to watch. I don't even need to watch the uh, Emma Seligman is the director. I don't even need to watch the trailer. I'm just going to see it. And so I was just like, uh, just, yeah. The, I haven't gotten to, I told myself, or I told you guys at the beginning of the year that I wasn't going to do a top 10 list until um, until the end of the year. So we could mm-hmm. like do a full review and I wasn't kind of like biased or like, oh no, this is staying here or whatever. Mm-hmm. Bottoms is going to be in my top 10. Sure. It like, I, it'll, it'll probably be my top 10. My of the year <laughs> yeah yeah so uh ruby sure. cruz ruby cruz is in it havana rose liu is in it kaya gerber's in it every uh nicholas galitzine i think that's how you say his name plays jeff and he's been oh my gosh he's in uh he's in red white and royal blue for those of you who have watched that movie red white and royal blue i think is like still in the top 10 on netflix right now it's on he's so funny he is so funny in this movie no, oh, he's like the dumb, yes. the dumb quarterback jock. Um, yeah, so yeah, no, it's it's so good. It, it <laughs> I'm just thinking about whenever they're sitting on the bleachers. Like I think it's in the first like 15 minutes of the movie, and uh, Rachel Sennett's character is like just going on and on about like feminism, and uh, Ao is like, that's not feminism. It was just the way she was delivering those, like, no, that's not mm-hmm. what feminism is. It was just so funny to me, and I've thought about it ever since, like, since then. And then um, when Marshawn Lynch was like, I knew I couldn't trust women. I knew women were the worst. And then he comes back later, and he's like, I never doubted women. I always <laughs> believed in women. Uh, and he's reading Divorced and Happy. <laughs> At his desk, and it's like completely inappropriate for a teacher. (laughs) 
and then like other like absurdist things absurdist decisions that emma seligman made like i'm gonna have one i'm gonna have their like wrestling player in a cage in the classroom (laughs) so he doesn't hurt anyone else and i love that the football players are wearing their uniforms with full pads the entire time and cleats cleats. Yeah. yeah they're wearing their full football jerseys and pads and cleats the every day that they're they're in school miles uh, and yeah, it's just yeah. so good anyway miles fowler is also one of the football players and he like worships jeff the quarterback. yeah um he is he's like low-key one of the funniest like performances oh for sure so, yeah yeah oh man it's so good i i yeah. want it maybe like if you're into like i want to watch it again like i would watch it tonight if i could uh if it's out, I would just rent it. But maybe we can watch it together and like truly experience it. I think I think Walter would love this movie. He, uh, here's the deal: because Walter like, will either like the love smart. it or hate it. There's not going to be a. I think he would love it. That's true. That's that's a good call. I think he would love it because it's very like book smart, um, mm-hmm. super bad territory. Does he like book smart? I think he. I think I don't know. Actually, you know what? He hasn't seen a movie ever. So, right that guy's yeah. never seen one single movie so yeah so who's to say really who's to say you want to talk prisoners let's talk prisoners have you seen any of denis villeneuve's other movies uh i've seen dune i'm what trying to think what other movies in my, you know what shrek said to donkey what are you doing in my swamp swamp is that what you were going for yeah okay great um denis Villeneuve is probably my favorite director. Okay. Um, he, so, director of Dune, most recently. Mm-hmm. Blade Runner 2049, one of my favorite movies. Arrival, Sicario, Enemy, mm-hmm. Prisoners, Incendi, Polytechnique, and those are, in Maelstrom. Those are, like, his features. Have I've you seen, seen all of them? I've seen all of his movies except for Incendi. Okay. I just haven't got there yet. Um, gotcha. But he's he's got a very strong visual style. Mm-hmm. Um, he loves science fiction, obviously. Um, did you see Sicario? Mm-mm. This and Dune are the only ones I've seen. Okay. I saw, so. I saw Sicario in college because it came out in 2015, and I wasn't sure if you were in that group when we went to go see it. No. I wasn't invited. I'm sorry. That's okay. That was also kind of before we became yeah. BFFs. So. That's true. So Prisoners. But prisoners. Or what do you think about Dune before we get to like Prisoners? I really... So, okay. So, here's a... I didn't know anything about Dune prior to seeing it. So, I've never read the book. I don't really care to read the book because mm-hmm. I've heard such mixed things about it. And also, I think that the series since it wasn't finished by the actual author because he died i just it just doesn't seem like worth it to me yep. so and i had never seen like the 80s dune <clears throat> um but dune with timothy chalamet and zendaya and a ton of other people i really enjoyed i i felt like this first one was a lot of world building and that we're going to really get into a lot of stuff with part two mm-hmm. that has been delayed because the stupid companies won't just 
pay, pay directors. People. Yeah. But yeah. whatever. Anyway, um, so, yeah, so, so I really enjoyed it. I still don't feel like I really know a whole lot about what's going on, but I th- think, especially, like, visually, it's a stunning movie. Mm-hmm. So, what did you think of Dune? I like Dune a lot. Um, I didn't like it m- that much the first time, but then the second time I saw it, I was pretty blown away. So I was like, yeah, this is a great movie. Mm. Um, I mean, yeah, I think you have the right, I mean, personally. I I am of the opinion that if a book is going to be, like, turned into a movie, and then a very good director gets the, is passionate about that story or that book mm-hmm. and is gonna write and direct it i just like well i don't read the book really so okay um there are exceptions to that but by and large like i did read dune before um the movie came out and mm-hmm. i was i just like yeah i just i prefer film adaptations always because it's such a visual thing if it's like if there's a reason it's going to be adapted into a film for people to see um then it's either going to be really bad, like mm-hmm. this onslaught of like YA stuff that we got after Harry Potter. Um, sure. And Hunger Games, like, I don't know if we talked about something like, I think Hunger Games Catching Fire is very good. And yeah. I don't think the first or third or fourth ones are very good. Okay. Um, so no, I, I don't think we ever talked about good. that. So, but I, I, I feel that way about like i'm not gonna read dude messiah whenever dune part three comes out sure yeah um yeah yeah so prisoners is about as we hinted at earlier is about um hugh jackman plays keller dubber and terrence howard plays franklin birch their two dads their daughters get kidnapped viola davis plays terrence howard's wife and maria bello plays hugh jackman's wife Mm-hmm. And Dylan Minnette is in this. I forgot that he was I in this. Know, yeah, you, I, like I was like this. This was when he was in everything, and now I feel like he's in nothing. I feel like he's probably like just totally loaded, and like I'm done. Like well, I don't want to do he's this He's in a band. Anymore. He is. He's in Wallows. He's in Wallows. Yeah. What's Wallows? Wallows is a band. I'll I'll send you some music <laughs> okay. later. I I they're like an indie band. I. Th- I think you would like them. Yeah. He's in a Rostam uh, music video. And I like Rostam a lot. So anyway, that's cool. Yeah, that's... Well, he's, I love his, that. His, he's just like... He's playing music. That's yeah, great. Yeah, yeah. Wallow sounds like Rostam. Like, it's that genre. Okay. So. Cool. He's good. Like, here's the thing. He was in a lot of things. He was in a lot of TV. He was in movies. He's, he's in um, Don't Breathe the like reverse home invasion movie um that you i would be really surprised if you had seen no i've never be- seen that is that the one where they like yeah like the reverse yeah 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 yeah. yes i know what it is do you Sorry. have seen it no i haven't seen it but i know what it is he so yeah so him and um uh, i forget the other the other people but like he was in everything for a little bit and now mm-hmm. he's not in anything and he's really good in the key scenes um in this movie so jane levy is the main character in uh, yes so, yeah 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 um so anyway but yeah he plays 
their son and things kind of unravel whenever um there's like a there's a miscommunication and they the parents think that while celebrating thanksgiving the uh teenagers dylan manette and then um terrence howard and Viola davis's daughter are gonna take the younger girls back to the dover's house Mm -hmm. and there's a miscommunication they don't take them and then they get kidnapped and it's like a really kind of upsetting scene where the tension's building they don't know where they are they go to the house they're not the house they start running around the block it starts raining an rv that the kids are playing on is gone down the street that was there previously Mm -hmm. and things ensue from there so what's most striking to you about this movie when you think about it now that we're both kind of on fresh rewatches it's so to me i think what's most striking is that it is a slow burn but it's also probably one of the most stressful slow burns yep and the whole time i am just like like Again, I I could so I couldn't remember what happened, like how this ended or like who I remember the very like the last scene with the whistle, but I couldn't remember like was it really Paul Dano's character? Was it someone like I didn't know? And so I think what was most striking to me was just the suspense that you're you're sitting in the whole time, and how uncomfortable that is. Mm-hmm. what about you i think that when i think about this movie i think about like you know i'd flagged it earlier this year and i think even a couple of years ago whenever we were like trying to compile what are like flyover movies mm-hmm. some of them have elements of faith some of them have elements of like being in the middle of nowhere right um or the south or you know there are all these different qual qualifiers that we talk about all the time but to me, this movie is really about like faith and making him kind of impossible decisions, but then also like how tons of different people react in different situations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the key scene for me that's like so powerful is when, um, oh man, like, and, and then there's so many little plot things that end up tying up in mm-hmm. at the end, but when, Keller, uh, Hugh Jackman's character, has brought Terrence Howard's character, Franklin, to where he is kidnapped. Alex Jones, who Mm -hmm. is played by Paul Dano in a really, really good performance. Um, And they, at this point in the movie, you know that Alex has the, like, an IQ of eight, and he's just, like, basically mentally handicapped Mm -hmm. and, like, not you know he he, he's been tortured by keller and they've keller has put him in this contraption a torture chamber literally Mm -hmm. with uh either scalding hot or freezing cold water and it's it's november almost december it's freezing um this movie's supposed to be set in virginia and i think they filmed it in georgia but it looks like anywhere usa it looks Mm -hmm. like anywhere in arkansas Almost. yeah what's weird that you said that well it's funny that you said that because i 
was thinking as they were like walking through the neighborhood, I really felt like it was, it looked very similar to kind of the neighborhood that I lived in, in mm-hmm. high school, but it looked more so like my, my friend Becca's neighborhood, which was like right next to mine, but there was a lot of like wooded area by her house that wasn't by mine. And so it felt like, oh, I'm, I'm like almost watching the neighborhood that was real close to mine. Yeah. So yeah. It, it looks like anywhere USA for sure. Yeah, and that's like that's a big that's a big part of <laughs> flyover movies. Like, yeah, this happened like to my buddy Eric one time. Mm-hmm. Type, type of thing. Do you remember that little yeah. review? <laughs> what was it for? What movie was it, was it for? for? Joker. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's important to just remember <laughs> funny things like that once in a while, especially when talking about this movie. Yeah. So, <laughs> but but there's and there's so many little things, and you know, like the we'll get to kind of later on maybe the things that didn't work for us or a couple of the gripes that i have with it but they're just like the story kind of slowly develops and you have to really pay attention to Mm -hmm. really see how it all plays out um but i had kind of the reverse thing from you where like i knew how it finished Mm -hmm. but i couldn't remember any of the details in the no. Oh, okay so um did you did you catch because i didn't catch until this time or even like whenever i was finishing it with chess tonight um did you catch that the rv him parking the rv in front of the house that was for sale was the house that he grew up in no oh my gosh no it's it was kind of a mind-blowing experience for me i was like there, there are lots of little things like that where you mm-hmm. realize how broad and like far reaching the theme of like all of these people are prisoners mm-hmm. in one way or another. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a letterbox quote from David Sims, the critic for the Atlantic that I love. He was like, aren't we all prisoners? <laughs> aren't we all prisoners? <laughs> yeah. Which so. I think he wrote that all his, his reviews are typically a jer- like written in a joking way but also it's not not true right so yeah so uh, i don't did you see my letterbox review for this just that it's stressful knowing your friends have kids yeah like it hits i I said it hits different knowing like now that all my friends have kids because i remember being freaked out by it as a 19 year old but watching it now as as not as someone who has kids of my own but as someone who has a ton of friends who do it and like i feel very protective of my kids my friends kids like yeah they're probably the closest i'll ever have to having my own kids and so i i view them all as my own and so it just feels so different watching this now as an adult as opposed to a 19 year old so i'm curious like for you what is it like for you to watch this as as a dad, as a dad of a daughter specifically? But you know, what what is that? What was it like for you? I think um, there's a little bit. So I, something I really appreciate about this movie, and I'll, I'll answer your question eventually. But like the first thing that I think of is that I really appreciate that the way Denis Villeneuve makes movies is not manipulative. 
mm-hmm. all of the like the emotional scenes that he conveys in his movies are are really performance driven and not like th- like the child endangerment stuff in this movie is like is very upsetting but there's no like this is the scene where you cry because they're either reunited or Mm -hmm. like the parents are distraught like the performances are all there but it's framed and directed in very like matter of fact and like this would have been the day-to-day of like Mm -hmm. grace and keller as they're like grieving anna being Mm -hmm. gone and like it you know literally every moment is like decreasing the chances that they'll get to see her again Mm -hmm. um so that's sort of just like this is how it is sort of direction i think is really brilliant and not manipulative um and to me but but again to me like i finished this movie and i think like i'm never letting my kids out of my sight sure yeah like even when they're older you know like that older by older i mean like 13 14 i'm like uh (laughs) our neighbors are wonderful uh people they have five kids and we live on a cul-de-sac and they just like run around and they're Mm -hmm. they're living their best life they live or they're homeschooled so it works out for them and i finished this and i was like i wonder if they would like change any of their like style like observation style of their kids Mm -hmm. if they saw this movie um it was it was pretty hard jess said it was really hard to watch sure um so especially because the kidnapping is like they're just gone yeah and it's like it's like are you with your you're not with your sister and it's like no and it's like i told you were supposed to be with your sister and it's like you didn't tell me that they were leaving and it's like a very legitimate miscommunication sure yeah because they had been with the kids earlier when they were walking and played in the rv and that's the sort of thing that's like so like oh like it's too real Mm -hmm. (laughs) just paused it and she was like that's how it happens like yeah you think the kids are being observed right watched well so nothing to this extent has happened that to anyone i know but i went to a friend's house this was like months ago it was probably last year at some point and when i got there there were a bunch of us there and it's like kind of a weekly thing we do and i got there and my friend was looking for her daughter who's who just turned four so at the time she was three and everyone was like be like i say everyone a lot of people were being really casual about it oh like she's fine like she's around here but my friend was freaking out and couldn't find her anywhere didn't know where she was and it was like dark it was like already dark and one of the like older kids that was there had like happened to walk on the like side of the house and i hear her say I found her. And so I run over there and try to find, like, see what's going on. Kid is just chilling in a wheelbarrow, just hanging out. Like, I think, I think she was playing in dirt or something. And and so she's, she's giggling. She's fine. But the panic that I felt and that I know my friend felt in that moment of like, where is my daughter? Like it went, it was zero to a hundred real quick. And so, but it happens all the time because it was like, she thought her husband was watching her and and he thought she was watching her and so like, he was busy trying to like get dinner ready and all this stuff and so it was just really stressful but yeah it happens just miscommunications 
someone's not paying attention. And for the most part, it's not that big of a deal. Yeah. It's only a big deal when it becomes a big deal, you know? Right. Um, and I have several of my friends who are therapists that have kids, uh, like my colleagues, they talk a lot about how they they won't let their kids like I, there's one in particular who's like i'm not gonna let my kids go to sleepovers and i was like that's crazy I was like sleep- just about this a couple weeks ago oh really yeah i was like that's crazy like i i loved sleepovers growing up that was so much fun and she was like yeah but think about think about all the stuff that you've heard as a therapist that happened at sleepovers i was like yeah that's yeah. a good point so and you can't control for like if they have if the owners of the house, like their daughter, if they have like an older sibling, yeah, and they have friends over, it's like yeah, that's that's where you're like I can't like there's so few people that you can trust, yeah, to yeah actually watch so, and take care of your kids. Yeah, so. it's it's crazy <clears throat> to think about, but yeah. So anyway, so. Do you have a particular, like we talked, you said that this was a very performance driven film and it, and it is, who's your, who gave your favorite performance and why, like, why was that your favorite performance? I'm just curious your thoughts on that. What do you think about Jake Gyllenhaal's performance? And do you like Jake Gyllenhaal? I don't think we've ever really talked about him. On the As pod. a person? No. I heard, As an I actor? Hear he's not a great person. I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, that's my bias as a Taylor Swift fan, but, um, <laughs> I love, I love the, uh, the meme. You got to give it to him. He has one of the best memes of all time. The, uh, Oh, like, oh no, like no, no, no. Kissing and waving to the audience uh, before yeah. disappearing. <laughs> so no, it's good. so funny. No, 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 no. I, I'm not saying like, I, I, I don't really care about him as a person. Yeah. I do think he's a phenomenal actor, though. Like, uh, he is so good in Nightcrawler. Mm -hmm. Just the like the edge of like insanity that he he just toes that line so well in that movie. Um. So I really have you seen Wildlife? Mm Hmm. He is so Paul Dano directed Wildlife, um, okay. with Carrie Mulligan, and it's basically okay. like their their marriage falling apart from his from their son's perspective. Okay. Um. And he and they're they're both really good, and I Carrie Mulligan kind of like takes the takes the cake. As she's the, real like, good. She's she's so good always. But Ed yeah. Oxenbold is the kid who plays, or who's the son. And he's he's really really good in it as well. Anyway, I just really love that movie. I think it's a great movie. Um, but he yeah he's 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 good in everything. But he does this funny thing like two things. He has his uh, shirts buttoned up all the way yeah. with like no tie, and he's like kind of blinking like. Okay, I noticed like the he blink has, thing like, a little too. Tick or something. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, I noticed that too. Uh, I he has free ma- a Freemason tattoo and then like or no a Freemason ring, ring. and then tattoos on his. Uh, They're fingers. like zodiac signs, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
they Which are. Is That's what it is. Interesting, because he's also in Zodiac. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. No, to answer your question, I think he's a great actor. I don't really care about him as a person, um, but I think he's he's great. I don't I don't think his performance was bad. I just I don't I don't know who my favorite performance who gave the best performance. I think Hugh Jackman's performance is probably the best. Probably, um, but we also get the, he's got the most screen time too. So yeah, Paul Dano is really really good too. He plays a creepy dude very well. He does. It's funny watching this and being like, yeah, whoever saw this and thought Riddler, like, give them give them $2 million. He, at one point, I think Hugh Jackman says to him something about riddles. Mm-hmm. He's like, stop, stop with your riddles or whatever. And I was like, I, I know this came out years before he was... Uh, casted or cast as the the Riddler, but man, that foreshadowing was gold. Yep, yeah. Um, Terrence Howard, like I said, Terrence Howard, kind of telling Hugh Jackman, like, you're you're going too far. I know, I know, this isn't you. Um, and then Viola Davis being there as well, kind of figuring out, like, you kidnapped this kid and you're torturing him trying to get information mm-hmm. um she being the one to tell to really change her husband's mind like he needs to do what he needs to do because we need to find our our daughter mm-hmm. um and that's kind of what it comes down to like you see the interrogation when uh <sighs> the rv is found after the apb is put out for the I think that's what it's called for the missing kids. Mm-hmm. Um, they find the RV. Alex is driving the RV at a gas station. He drives mm-hmm. it, tries to get away, drives into the woods and is taken um, into custody. Mm-hmm. They search the van. They don't find anything. They don't find any wool fibers. They don't find any of the girl's prints. Um, nothing that they can pin him with. And then you see loki which i think is so funny that i think Jake it's Gyllenhaal's, so funny yeah yeah it's it's just funny uh detective loki is questioning him and he's getting all up in his face he's not being too aggressive but he's getting all up in his face and he's like you you just see everybody's line that they're not willing to cross because mm-hmm. loki ends up crossing the line with bobby taylor who's played by david dasmalchen who is um, great. Who is a also, really good in this movie, too. Did you did you remember he's in The Dark Knight? Uh-huh. That was the first I, time I saw him, and I was like, this is the most distinct person I've ever seen on screen. Yeah, yes. No, his features are so distinct. I completely forgot he was in it until last night when, I, when he, he showed up. I was like, this guy's in it, too? Yeah. And then, so it was, it was funny to watch that and then watch this today, and it was like, oh, okay. Is he in everything? Yeah, he should he really be. Has been everything. He's in. He's in Blade Runner twenty forty nine as well, and, and Dune. So he's kind of like been Villeneuve's like one of his go to collaborators. Do you since think he's he's Villeneuve's like what he is to Villeneuve is what like Killian Murphy is to Christopher Nolan? Just yeah. And honestly, gonna... I could see like him and Killian Murphy have so many similar physical attributes in addition to being like really good performers yeah. i could see him like winning an oscar kind of like how killian murphy probably will 
just like come <clears throat> come into into a like a true leading performance. Mm-hmm. Christopher Nolan. I don't know if you knew this. I think this is so funny. Christopher Nolan was doing he was doing press for Oppenheimer, and he was like, "Yeah, I love David. Like, I you know I cast him in Oppenheimer after I saw him in the Suicide Squad." <laughs> Where he plays Polka Dot Man yeah. is also a really funny performance. Oh, yeah. No, and he's so good as Polka Dot Man. Yeah. And people were like, he was in The Dark Knight. <laughs> but then he, people were like, does Christopher Nolan just like watch everything? Probably, <laughs> like, Honestly, probably. He probably does. So I... I've, I bet he there's like a spe- I bet there's like a list of directors that he will watch whatever they put out. And I bet James Gunn I is bet James on that Gunn, list. Yeah, that's true. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> if people were like, he was in one of your he was movies. In the Dark Knight. He was in the Dark Knight. You've <laughs> directed him already. But then it was all. I just love like the Oppenheimer press tour because he was also like, they're like, talk to us about the cast. Talk to us about. Um, what was Diary of Wimpy Kid's name? Uh, he was like, Roger Gruels. Yeah. <laughs> like, he said that on press tour. <laughs> yeah. That just cracks me up. So. Um, That's amazing. Anyway. So, but then, but then obviously, like, clearly Keller resorts to torture. Because mm-hmm. he thinks that's how he's going to get his kids back. And there's all that evidence of, like, he hears Alex singing jingle bells like his daughter was that day that mm-hmm. she was taken um at the police station alex says to keller they only cried when i left them which is it's like ugh, it was so creepy and scary yeah yeah and he keller thinks that the police aren't doing anything and the reality is like loki's just kind of He's following the clues and he ends up finding some clues whenever he gets into I my favorite sequence in the whole movie is when he goes to Bobby Taylor's house. David Dustin. Oh Alfred. man. Yeah. That whole sequence is just so so good and I remember exactly how I felt whenever I saw it for the first time. Well, and it's so unnerving too. Yeah. Like everything about it is so unnerving cuz he's being super like friendly like too friendly and and then he tries to escape and of course he gets knocked to the ground and then as, as you like look around the house there's all these like designs on the wall that are yeah, super creepy mazes. looking yeah. the mazes that are so just creepy and when he walks into that room oh i forgot about the 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 pig head that's just sitting in the sink uh-huh. that's creepy because you hear flies buzzing and then yeah. he goes in the kitchen and sees it yeah well and because like you hear the flies buzzing and you think oh no does he have the dead body like is it the dead yeah. body of the girl one of the girls and and so that's like a concern and then it's the pig head which is still really creepy and scary and then as he walks into the room with all of the like bins locked bins that's super creepy. That, that that scene oh. where the door opens and you see all the bins. And I was oh, like, my oh my goodness. Oh my god. Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Cause I was like, I I really 
thought that they found the girls, but I, I don't remember if they do now. Right, and so, yeah. so I was just like, oh no. And I, so I don't think I told you how I watched this movie today. So I don't think I've told you this at all. My TV is not working. Mm. And so, so you're watching it the way David Lynch intended on your iPhone. On my, I watched it on my computer <laughs> on my MacBook, and so I watched it on my computer at my friend Scott's house, and it was my friend Scott and Tyler, and they were watching football, and I was watching this this movie, and whenever he opens up that first tr- like bin or trunk or whatever, and lifts up the the shirt and there's snakes, I like jumped. Because I forgot about it and it yeah. scared the crap out of me. And they're like, "What is? Ha- what's going on?" I was like, "It's just, it's fine. I'm fine. Everything's fine. I'm just stressful. Movie. Just really stressed out right now." Um, so it was funny for them to see my reaction to this movie because Scott has seen this movie, but Tyler hadn't, hasn't. Mm-hmm. And so he's like, "I feel like I need to see this movie based on your reaction to it." Yeah, honestly. And I was like, "Yes, please do." Yeah. So. Anyway, but that scene is... So then the camera pans in, and the snakes are just crawling everywhere. And they're crawling over his boots, and they're crawling over all that stuff. Like, And he every time he opens a bin, there are more snakes in it, and there's blood-stained clothes. And he's just like, shit. Or like, you know, like, every time it opens, and it's really... It's kind of funny, even though it's like an extremely, like... Terrifying thing. Terrifying situation. Yeah. So... Which yeah. I noticed it when he first walked in that there was like a radiator, like a like a like almost like a furnace that looked like uh-huh. it was on in the background, and I didn't think about it until like towards the end of the scene when I saw it again. It was like in the the view of the camera again, and I was like, oh, it makes sense why why that was so on because snakes need heat and it's like freezing. Oh, I didn't catch that. Yeah, That's, yeah. there you go. But, oh. I also I can only imagine how terrible that house smelled. Yep. Yep. Oh. So yeah, and then the the production design in the movie is amazing because like it's so sparse and it's so specific. Even mm-hmm. when you get to like the interior of uh, Mrs. Jones' house, whenever Hugh Jackman's in there with her, it's just like very like everything looks old. Everything looks like it's been in like in use for 20 years the wood paneling on the walls oh, yeah and the, the furniture all of it is like just really really good set design yeah it all looked like it was from like the late 80s early 90s yeah that just yeah. like yeah we don't have enough money to update our furniture type yeah of like yeah uh type of town which is yeah we you and i know, yeah. know that all too well, well. And even or like at the very beginning, whenever they're walking over to um, like Terrence Howard's family's house, he his son is saying like, "Hey, I've got like enough money saved up to buy this car," and I was wonder like save up to buy half of it. Like, yeah, he has half of it or whatever to buy the car, and he was like, "I was wondering if," and immediately Hugh Jackman or Keller is like, "Nope, no." I I barely have I barely get enough jobs to pay the mortgage. I'm not. Yeah. We can't do that. And yeah. so, just it seems like it's it's a very just like not poor, just like tough. Yeah, yeah, tough time. Tough. Yeah, yeah, tough times for sure. 
And like Hugh Jackman's character is definitely fleshed out quite a bit. Mm-hmm. He has you find out throughout the uh, as the movie progresses that the place where he's keeping Alex was there the home he grew up in where his father committed suicide. Mm-hmm. His father was a prison guard and it yeah, it's just and that leads to him like um later on Loki goes into the the Dubber's basement and there's just like he is a doomsday prepper. There are mm-hmm. batteries and there's canned food and um there's ammunition mm-hmm. and you just realize like this is this you get you just immediately get a sense of like this is who this or not immediately but throughout the movie this is who this guy is yeah um, well and, and it's why it, he's acting the way he is because he he's not in control and he needs to like kind of have, regain it yeah, yeah. well because and he says early on after they go hunting he says to his son you know my father taught me to always be prepared yep and you see that play out and like why and and it's interesting to think about it um does it does it say how old he was when his dad died by suicide i don't think so okay or maybe maybe but i don't i don't remember i yeah i'm guessing he was probably young like he had to have been younger obviously but i'm guessing he was a kid still and so um the lack of control that he experiences throughout his entire life. And and this is something that's like, like if your kid is taken, is kidnapped, like that is something that one could argue is in the, like in control of the parent, mm-hmm. but really it isn't. Cause again, how many times do we do things that it's fine until it isn't, you know? Right. And, and so, just thinking about it from a, like a psychological standpoint is really interesting. Um, and seeing the way that he and Grace respond so differently because she's just like, I mean, she's grieving, but she's so depressed. So she's just in bed all the time yeah, and shutting down, shutting down and, and he's absent and he's, you know, he's it sounds like he was dealing with alcohol abuse for a really long time and had been sober for nine and a half years and then started drinking as a result which to be fair i think he did that to shake uh loki off his trail i think that that's part of that but also he has that his son confronts him and is like i can smell it on you that's true it kind of hints out like it had been happening a little bit right maybe off screen and I think that that's part of it. I, I do think that it was to get Loki off his back, but I think it it wouldn't surprise me if that was actually really what was going on. And I realize we don't actually get to know that, but um, but he's absent, and obviously we know why, but um, his family doesn't know why, and yeah. because Viola Davis's character isn't shutting down, uh, she she notices her husband's absence and it's like where are you like what are you yeah. doing so can you clear up something for me or like yeah. just between the two of us i think we can like work it out david desfalchin's character bobby taylor you see footage of him going into both the 
Birches and mm-hmm. the Devers' houses. Mm-hmm. And you find out later that he has taken Anna and, um, what's her name? Uh, Joy. Joy's clothes. Mm-hmm. Did they ever, did like, I think you're only supposed to infer that he did mm-hmm. that because it's his way of, like, because he is traumatized. Sure. That's his way of, like, he's not going, like, he probably w- could could have and would have killed. Um, like, there would have been victims at his, on his hands at some point. But the police dig up mannequins later. Mm-hmm. But it's his way of, like... I don't know, like weird, like his weird fetish. That's so, how I interpreted it. Or do they talk about it? Because I, if they, they did, I missed it. They don't talk about it, and I don't think they ever say outright whether he had anything to do with it. Like, like he was involved directly with it, right? Or if he just happened to, I say just happened, or if he did take their clothes, but. Because the blood that was on it was pig's blood. It was not mm-hmm. their blood. So the way I'm kind of, uh, and I hadn't really thought about this until just now, but the way I'm kind of making sense of it in this moment is we as people often recreate the things that happened to us when we were younger. Yeah. And so... If you think about it, think about like um, a kid whose parent was super abusive. So like if you think about like uh, someone who had an abusive father, well, then they're going to grow up and unless there's intervention, which often there's not, um, unless there's intervention, they're going to end up seeking out relationships that feel that are abusive or at least seem unhealthy uh because it's all they've ever known and so mm-hmm. so you know he was because he was a victim too he was kidnapped yeah um and so he, he had this horrific traumatic thing happen to him and did not have support it seems like and did not really get the help he he needed and so he it seems like he's recreating those things. Yeah. And even when it seems like from the outside, it seems like terrible and horrible. And like, why would anyone ever do that? It's familiar and familiar is comfortable, even when it's yeah. not, you know? So like um, someone who grew up with an abusive parent and ends up in an abusive relationship as an adult, we can sit there and be like, what are you doing? That's terrible. Why would you ever do right. that? But yeah. it's familiar to them. And like well, and the right. positive characteristics of that negative person are the things that they end up looking for. And a lot of times the those specific characteristics are like the other side of like the shiny side of a dirty coin. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so. So for thinking about him from like kind of a psychological trauma perspective he's recreating the trauma trying to for for whatever reason i i would guess trying to understand it himself because how how do you make sense of that ever Mm -hmm. and you can't 
And so I think that's, so instead of actually taking a, a real kid, he's taking mannequins yeah, and burying them much like it seems like the Joneses did. Yeah. So, um, here's a question for you and it's one of my gripes with the movie. Okay. You go to, first of all, why did he, how did he go and end up going to see the, the bishop or the priest? So he had said right before that, I, I'm not super clear. It, it doesn't seem like it's a super clear thing to me, at least. Uh-huh. Uh, it seemed, you know, he told his captain, I've got a list of sex Pedophiles, offenders. Yeah. yeah. And so I don't know if they were implying that the priest. I feel like they kind of were. And then I was like, I guess that's what they were intending. <laughs> to yeah. So I, that's, yeah. It's never clear to me why he goes unless that's like that. That's the only explanation I can really yeah. think of is they are implying that the priest was a sex offender, which. So, yeah. It, yeah. Eh. It's just it, like my only gripe with that movie is or with this movie is that there there are some things that just could you like expand expand on that like just a little more like like, uh, like I, 30 I really, seconds i really love that it's so even like the the rv thing is something mm-hmm. like i didn't realize until like oh my gosh like i just realized like that was his house mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. and that's where he was kidnapped and it's like so scary and like mm-hmm. you know it makes you feel for like alex is the ultimate victim <laughs> i feel like in in this whole yeah. thing when you think about it um, but so you go, okay. So you find, you go to see this Catholic priest who's drunk. You start looking around. You're like, why is this fridge blocking this door? You open the door, you go yeah. down there, you find a corpse, you find a necklace on the corpse. Mm-hmm. The, the corpse is tied to a chair. You think you would remember what that necklace looked like. Sure. And that the necklace looked like the patterns that the guy was drawing sure. in the interrogation room. Sure. <laughs> Especially because they tell, like, yeah, like, Loki, you've won, you've you found it, or you've solved every case you've ever been assigned. Yeah. And I was like, you forgot what that little necklace looked like? Especially when he saw the picture of Mr. Jones at yeah. the beginning, even before well, he found the body. And I can forgive forgetting the the picture and the necklace like in the picture i can forgive that i because he looks at the necklace on the corpse right like he looks like there's that you see that okay that that i think is is fair like i think that's a fair gripe of just like dude you that's super distinct yeah it is super distinct it's it's very unusual and you know, it'd be different, I think, if this was, like, a, you know, year-long investigation or, like, months-long investigation. Right. But it, it took place within a, a at six, least, like, no more than... Six days or seven days, yeah. Yeah, I was going to say no more than, like, a week or so. Because uh-huh. I, I think it's been six days. It They mark six days. They say that at one point. And so I don't know how many more days passed before they like before the end of the movie, 
but I, I would guess no more than a, like a week. Right. Cause it was and six so, days whenever they had that conversation in the car, which mm-hmm. I feel like that, that conversation is probably like Hugh Jackman's Oscar reel. Like, I oh. think that's the best scene of the movie where he's just like losing his shit. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. But that whole thing was like, it was a little like rushed, a little rushed. That's like, again, I don't have very many gripes with this movie. Um, you find out from a newspaper at the very end when um, Anna and Joy are both rescued that mm-hmm. Alex, they found Alex at the apartment complex where he was being held. Mm-hmm. And you find out that he's Barry. Mm-hmm. And that was like, you knew that Barry was the first of the kids to go missing all these years ago in the interview that Loki had with his mom. And then uh, Holly Jones says the first kid, I don't remember his name, it was Barry or Bobby, or is mm-hmm. Barry or Jimmy or something. Mm-hmm. like. And then you realize Barry was the first kid. Yeah. And that Alex is Barry. And it's like, Oh man, like it's just really, and then it makes what Keller did to Alex like even worse because he was, he was just a victim the whole time, even if he did participate like in the kidnapping. Yeah. And he was so young when he was kidnapped that it's almost hard to say well, it's Stockholm syndrome or something, which exactly. they don't ever talk about that in the movie. But you know, one could if this were to happen in real life, which similar things have happened in real life. So you could somebody could argue Stockholm syndrome, but he he was essentially brainwashed, and so yeah. and he, he, he didn't know that it was wrong to do. Yeah, that. and he was he was probably severely. I mean, he was kidnapped, so chances are pretty high that he was severely abused he was also probably drugged the whole time too i mean if you think about yeah what we saw happen to anna like he was probably just abused the whole time and yeah so was he you know mentally challenged because that's just how how he was or was it the years of abuse and drugging that he experienced that caused him to be like that i it was probably that i mean it could be both but yeah um so the thing yeah. with bobby that i was like i had to kind of pay attention to close closely and f- kind of solidify was that he was he was kidnapped as well mm-hmm. but he escaped mm-hmm. and then they they had that documented and that you can kind of put two and two together that like the snakes was something that um, I forget his name because he's not really in a character, but Holly's husband was mm-hmm. really into snakes yeah. because they found a bunch of snake bones in the ground. Mm-hmm. And that's why probably why he was obsessed with snakes, just like keeping them in that warm area with the blood to like, mm-hmm. um, and that's, and they, and then Holly also says like, that there was an accident with Barry and some snakes. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was like, there's just all these little things that like, right. Tie the movie into a perfect maze, so to speak. So to speak. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, this 
story is very well thought out. I mean, obviously there's like a couple of things, but really overall just so well thought out and, and such a well-written script. Yeah. It, I mean, if, I mean, it, it, again, what makes this movie so scary and haunting is that this is, this could just happen. Yep. And, and I think what makes it even scarier is that it could happen. Yes. But that in this particular story, 16 kids had at least 16 kids have been murdered mm-hmm. and that was what they knew of. And so kind of, kind of like what we were talking about with, um, Harper, whenever we were interviewing her about her, her documentary, like true crime is kind of this really fascinating genre right now. But really what makes it so, so sad and tragic is like a lot of those like serial killers or serial rapists have so many more victims or often have so many more victims that, that they just haven't been connected to. And so the un unjust um the injustice that happens or that is unjust and it is injustice that happens because they those victims don't ever get found or their families never know what happened so yeah anyway yeah um we've covered like almost everything about prisoners uh except you know Bobby Taylor's death, like once you kind of get to the end of the oh, movie man. and you realize like, oh man, he was just messed up the whole time. Too. He was just so, so traumatized. And oh, so that, man. It's like, yeah, oh, and, man, and that scene, every conversation matters to like Bobby Taylor. Golly, just so intense when Jake Gyllenhaal loses, Loki loses it and is just screaming at him like where are they because all he's mm-hmm. doing is writing these drawing these mazes because that's like mm-hmm. it was burned into his mind from his own experience with the Joneses um, and Loki is just screaming at him and he just slips a gun out of a police officer's uh, which is so holster. it happens yeah. so fast I I forgot it I, I didn't even realize it happened until yeah. I see Jake Gyllenhaal and one of the cops with their guns and then the other one doesn't have his. I was like, oh, he just straight up stole it from him. That's, which is also scary. Yep. Oh, and man. So he his death, Grace telling Loki, like, he hasn't texted me. I don't mm-hmm. know where he is. Because Hugh Jackman realizes, like, or Keller realizes what actually happened, even though if Loki had followed him to um the jones's house he probably mm-hmm. could have saved his life although it's implied that he gets found yeah um, it's pretty cool because grace reveals two things he hasn't texted me but if if you found him he'd probably go to prison and he's like yeah because he like beat this he like almost killed he this kidnapped someone and almost Kid. killed him yeah and and then she said she told him she had their whistle and oh man that part and it's one of those things it's like one of those things it's like kind of like a faith element more than anything else i feel Mm -hmm. like just well because you see you see hugh jackman after he's been shot and he's in the the hole in the ground there's a whistle you see him with the the whistle which ties back to the very beginning because that was the whole reason the girls left yeah was to go find the whistle go get the whistle 
the whistle that that her dad gave her to for an emergency for emergency yep. whistle oh man they're just it tied it up together so nice and neat what a great yep. little bow and then yeah and then sorry no yeah I, exactly that that was like a really important like it was a beautiful way to tie it up and then you barely hear the whistle and look, oh, he's man. there at the crime scene and he's just looking like he knows that something's there and you, and you assume that he's gonna find him but even then like at that point loki um had just this was just like a uh, I, I really love jake gyllenhaal's performance when he just destroys his desk like oh this my sort of like i cannot figure this out <laughs> yes like well it was it's it funny was, but it's also like i've been that angry before and it's extremely you've <laughs> destroyed a desk like that before no i've i've been that i've wanted to but i oh, okay you know okay uh i it just made me think of the scene in nightcrawler where he yell like he's like yelling in the mirror and he like mm-hmm. ends up breaking the mirror and i was like how many yeah. times in a movie like does jake gyllenhaal destroy something in every movie he's in yeah which i respect that's cool you do you sometimes i want to destroy stuff so yeah. i get it yeah i get it anyway but yes because you can that scene is really like significant because he is this like essentially like wonder kid detective who's been able to solve all of his cases and so is this the one that he doesn't solve is this the one that's going to haunt him for the rest of his career right and i i would guess that in some ways it does even though it does get solved yep i'm guessing it does like it does haunt him and he like the reason the reason he's so driven is because he it's like a throwaway line but he grew up in a boy's home mm-hmm. and he was probably abused yeah by <laughs> a priest yeah and like it's it's just there's so many little things that I, i've said that so many times this episode i apologize but like that's how he's trapped mm-hmm. keller is like legitimately literally trapped at the end because mm-hmm. he chose violence and grace says the same thing she tell she told loki right at the end i still love him i'm or i'm i still miss him and what did she say she said he did what he had to do to find our daughter yeah and and that's just like fundamentally like terrence's or uh franklin birch terrence howard is like the only one who was like this is wrong like Mm -hmm. this is wrong you know it's wrong and you're doing it anyway even his wife was like you need to let him do that and it's just like it's it's just such a it's such a just a well-written and like well-executed movie so well yeah and it really it, it makes you really consider like where at what point does your morality stop yep and and which is like that's interesting watching this in conjunction with the dark knight is really fascinating because that was that was what the joker was getting at in that movie Mm -hmm. was like you all think you're so high and mighty because you're so moral but like here here are the ways i'm gonna he says get you off the bench and into the game mm-hmm. and, and that was the whole point and like especially the scene at the towards the end with the the two boats that have one has like a bunch of convicts on it and prisoners 
and the other one has just like regular people and and the entire time they're going back and everyone is going back and forth of if they need to blow up the other the other boat so that they can live and it's just interesting to think about what what would you do in that situation like what would we do Mm. in those situations because like this is a parent's worst nightmare like this film is a parent's worst nightmare um and and stuff like this is why my 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 mom never let me like play in the front yard or you know go just hang out with the neighborhood like i didn't have really any kids in my neighborhood but like the few that i did i wasn't just able to just go play with them right yeah and it's because my mom was scared about something like this happening which now i'm grateful for at the time though it was really annoying yeah um but anyway yeah but yeah like what at what point are you willing to cross the line yeah yep that's the question that's the question for us all Mm -hmm. um any final thoughts we're all prisoners we're all prisoners in our own way you know in our own way and this happened to my buddy eric once <laughs> actually would never wish this upon it i would never no absolutely yeah. i oh golly i think it's important i think it's important to note again that i learned that dylan minette is now and just having a great time in waldo's making music so. yeah legend legend so Um, did you ever watch 13 reasons why no i refused even from even like when it was coming out i was like this feels wrong yeah no and then jess watched it or no jess and i got married and then we were talking about it and she was like yeah it's not good it's manipulative and problematic and i was like okay yeah because that's how i felt the whole time yeah so it was so bad (laughs) Um, what's next? Let's see. What's next? We've had a fun summer, and then Prisoners was like a big. <sighs> Isaac, are we downer, really doing but... this next? <laughs> I think I... we need to. I think you. I think you could think about how much fun it would be if Walter was on. Oh my gosh! Listener, we are in real time litigating. Our next movie. I like how we do this where we talk about what we're gonna we're, we're planning our schedule in real time as if as if we don't already have the entire year mapped out and planned we and we've stuck to it for the most part we have we have there's yeah. only been a couple times where we've had to change it but uh, our next, next one episode, yeah I'll let you tell it our next one hear your it's, voice it's inflection. Isaac's pick and it is I Still Believe, which is a Christian movie about Jeremy Camp's life, isn't it? Yes. Played okay. by Riverdale. By KJ Appa, aka Archie from Riverdale, who have you ever seen any of his TikToks? They're terrible. No. They're super cringy. No. They're awful. Good. They're bad. I hate it. Nice. I hate it so much. So well, I'm assigning all of those TikToks to you for i still believe episode no absolutely not walter Mm. is gonna have so much fun on it he's probably not gonna listen to this portion of the episode because he's sick but we're all gonna watch i still believe and we are going to have a great time talking about it oh that's debatable it's gonna be a true god's not dead scenario (laughs) oh man 
Did he do a cover? Shania Twain is in it. I bet Sorry. she got a fat check. That's the thing. <laughs> I bet she Here's got the, the biggest check. Here's the thing. That's the whole thing about like these Christian movies. I don't think we talked about it with... Um, we haven't talked about um, Sound of Freedom on this podcast, but you, me, and Walter have texted about it. Yeah. Bill Camp and like... I think Bill Camp is the biggest actor in Sound of Freedom. And apparently he's really good in it, like giving a really, really good performance. And Bill Camp is amazing. Like he's a great actor and it's like he's giving like a perform, not really performance best, but like a really, really good performance in this Christian movie. Mm-hmm. Um, Lance Reddick, before he passed away, was in like one or multiple of the God's Not Dead movies. People like... Th- the, these Christian studios have like so much cash to throw around and they'll offer, they'll offer like really good paychecks to people of like note of renown. Like Lance Reddick was a legend in Hollywood mm-hmm. before he passed away. It was like in many things and John wick and it's like, Oh dang, Shania Twain. They got Shania Twain for, I just don't understand why they can't throw any of that money towards an actual director or writer mm-hmm. but whatever so okay i'm i'm learning kind of some new information in real time but here's the good news the great news we will not have to pay thank god to watch i still believe it is what on is Hulu. it it's on oh Hulu. amazing yep good so just we can all relax a little bit. Um, what what I'm really looking forward to is what we're covering after I still believe, which is the Prince of Egypt. Great so, movie. Great movie. It's gonna be awesome. See, this is the cycle of things. Sometimes we need to talk about talk about child kidnapping movies and then <laughs> bad uh, faith faith movies. I am interested to like learn. I don't know that much about Jeremy Camp uh, Camp's life. I think I know that his wife was like dying or something. Yeah, I guess she, his wife. Did she die? I don't know. So I'm not looking it up until after I see this movie. Good. Or It'll be a after, fun time. Yeah. So, um, thank you for listening. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe. Please give us a five star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Uh, those both help us out a lot our episode was produced by walter lyle thank you for editing it walter and thank you to olivia for our social media our theme music is by gordon jocks our art is by macy lummis they're getting married next month pretty excited um and our next episode is i still believe about jeremy camp for the win And as always, we're prisoners. We're We're all all prisoners. prisoners in our own way. Yeah. All right. Bye. Bye.